doing all right? I got all the crying out this morning, so now we can get down to business. Now, I'll tell you what, uh, brethren. Um, this morning, talking about God working and me actually seeing God working uh, is emotional. Uh, you know, when Jesus comes and he looks and he sees Jerusalem, what does he do? He cried. He was emotional about it. It, it bothered him that the ones he came to save didn't want it. That they didn't have any desire to uh, want to do his will and what he had said. And you know, I was uh, thinking about this um, kind of, I kind of messed my order of my lesson up, so I'm just going to uh, go uh, off the top of my head until I get back into the point. But you know, there's uh, two things that really stand out to me on God's providence and how he providentially works in people's lives. You know, in the Old Testament, you think about uh, Joseph, what a great story that is. Uh, and in Genesis chapter 50, uh, Jacob dies and <clears throat> in verse uh, 18, then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. They were worried that Jacob was going to uh, retaliate on him and, and take his vengeance out because uh, his, their dad was dead. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now therefore do not be afraid, I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What a great lesson right there from uh, Joseph. What a great lesson all the way through his life. He always was seeking God's will. He always was doing God's will. And he says, uh, do not be afraid for I am in the place of God. I'm good. Uh, you're good. Uh, I also think about uh, Esther. Talked about it just a little bit before uh, with some Bill and, and talked about how uh, Esther, remember when Mordecai was talking to uh, her before she uh, begins this uh, time to maybe be the queen. In Esther chapter 4 verse 13 it says, And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain keep completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to this kingdom for such a time as this. There I was sitting in a a booth talking on a video with a guy I didn't even know and doors begin to open up for prayers that I prayed for five years. Five years. I've been waiting for a prayer on how to deal with uh, Isaiah, how to find a way to talk to him. And there it was. God had opened a door. And that's just my life. 
Here's the encouraging thing. Every single one of us here has something going on in our lives. Every single one of us has people around us that are struggling with something. But will you remember, just like Mordecai said to Esther, for such a time as this, the time is now. God is always working. God is always moving and, and things are being set up. And you can see it through this story of Jesus in his last week. All the prophecies that are fulfilled. God knows the story of our life. God knows the ending of our life. But we don't. So what do we have to do? We have to put our trust and our faith in Him and know that He will guide us to success. And He will lead us to be able to change people's lives. You know, the first thing that I talked about this morning was uh, the first accusation. If you will, turn with me to Luke 23 and we'll read it real quick just to kind of get back uh, to what I was talking about. We're talking about the last... Uh, week of Jesus, uh, talking about uh, the Jewish leaders uh, leading uh, him to Pilate, and what he's about to do. What they're about to do is uh, accuse him of three lies, three things that were just not true. Uh, Luke twenty-three verses one, and I'll read one through five. Uh, then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no fault in this man. But they were more fierce, saying, he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. They said that he was perverting the nation. What he taught was something that changed these people to go against the way that God taught. And, and really, you think about that uh, in Mark 1, verse 15. This is what Jesus preached when he stepped on the scene. He said... The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. We all as Christians here tonight, especially this group right here, have a chance to teach people something that many don't know. We may think they know. I thought that a lot of people knew too. And the more and more I talked to people, had a Bible study on Friday night, the same night that this all happened in the morning, I had a Bible study that night, same deal. They didn't know what in the world I was talking about. Yeah, they knew Jesus died on the cross. They didn't know how to be saved. Is that a priority to us? Have we forgot what the mission was? It's a chance for people to be forgiven. It's a, it's a chance for people to be reconciled to God. And a chance for them to have eternal life. This is an encouragement lesson. Hey, and you know what? I'm very repetitive in this type of talk. But you know what? That's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. 
Because the second point that I wanted to talk about uh, this morning was what the second uh, accusation that they bring against him. And I want you to just kind of follow with me on this. First they say that this fellow is perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar. Forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar. Now that's an outright lie. That is an outright, blatant lie. Turn back with me just a couple pages to chapter 20. Uh, Luke 20, verses 21 through 26. Actually, I'll start in verse 20. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. Then they asked him, saying, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly, and you do not show personal favoritism, but teach us the way of God and truth. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness, and he said to them, Why do you test me? Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription does it have? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, don't pay your taxes because I don't. <laughs> no. He said, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And to God the things that are God's. Think about that. They tried to set him up. He understood their craftiness. And he tells them straight out. What, let me see this coin. Whose names? Whose pictures on this? You need to pay the taxes. Whatever he asks you to do, you render it to him. But I want us to focus on the second part of what he says. He says, "But render to God the things that are God's." They told Caesar a lie. They told him a straight up lie. You know, I talked to Kerry Poole yesterday about this lesson and, and it encouraged me just getting to talk to him for a second. Uh, he told me that, you know, I was telling him about this guy I talked to in jail and I was really excited about it. And, and he turned right back to me and he said, man, I got to tell you something too. And he started telling me about this guy that he's been talking to at his work. <laughs> this guy he's been uh, loving on. This guy he's been encouraging. This guy he's been praying with. And you know, I thought, that's awesome. What would happen if every single one of us, and I'm not saying we're not. If you're doing one person, why not another one? Don't forget the message we have. He says, render to Caesar what's Caesar's. But brethren, here's the comment for us. Render to God what's God's. What is that? Our life. Us. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors. 
When you walk out of this door, if you say that you're a Christian, you are a representative of the kingdom. That's powerful. That should, that should come with honor. You should walk out proud. You should walk out excited that you have the ability in the way that you act, in the way that you talk, in the way that you walk to affect somebody's life. For Jesus... He says, as though God were pleading through you. I've, I've talked about this verse a lot. I've used this verse a lot. And you know what? I'm not sorry for repeating it. Because you know what, brethren? Paul understood the passion of what we got to have to change people's lives. He says, I plead. <laughs> On Christ's behalf, as a representative of the kingdom, I'm pleading with you. Is that the way we walk around? Is that the way we go around in life? You know what, brethren? When I had this visit on this video, this small little thing, it has ignited my fire. It has ignited my passion. This world is struggling. This world is going to hell. But we can save it. I'm not going to settle for saying, you know what, I can't change nobody, so what's the point? It hadn't happened in such and such amount of years. I waited five years for a prayer to get answered, and brethren, guess what? It came through an inmate to me. An inmate told me, yeah, he's in there. Hey, will you tell him that I said hey? Yeah. Guess what I've been praying for? That I would be able to make contact with him, and guess what happened? I did. I say hallelujah, I say amen. We have a chance by the way that we act around people. Not just I want to shine my light. Not just that I want to uh, be a good person. No, I I'm on a mission. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I've talked about this in, in the Wednesday night class, but it's, this is awesome to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll get it right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. Listen to what Paul says. This verse right here, I've been hanging on this verse for probably about three weeks now, and I can't let it go. I can't get it off my mind. I cannot get it off my mind. For though I'm free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. Yes, this is Paul the Apostle. Yes, that's his job to go spread the gospel. But what did Jesus tell us? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He says, And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. And those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. That I might win those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, 
that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I might that I may be partaker of it with you. He was on a mission. He understood what he needed to render to God. He needed to render to God his life. Because you know what? His service and his job as a Christian was to go change other people's lives. To get in their business. To know what they were about. To a Jew, he became a Jew. He talked about Jewish stuff. Did he just talk about Jewish stuff to become their friend? No, he became and wanted to understand and talk this Jewish talk to do what? To save them. I talk about cars with a guy because I want to save him. I find out what they like and what they're about, and guess what? My angle is to get in that way, but what is my ultimate angle? It's to save their life. Man, we have the treasure, man. We got Jesus Christ. These Jews had him right there. The Jewish leaders had the Son of God right there with them. And guess what? They was too sidetracked. I told Sean before we left, and it's so true, I was this close away from being too sidetracked to even see any of this. That's what Satan wanted. I was doing good stuff. Are we focused Are we focused on the kingdom? Are we focused on doing His will? What are we focused on? The last thing that I like to talk about this evening is Luke 23, 2. The last point that he says right there. He says, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. (laughs) Smart aleck, man. We talked about this in Bible class, and, and and, and I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily true, but it, it makes you think, uh, if you were Pilate, and here come these Jewish leaders, and they're bringing this guy who they are talking so uh, bad about in the fact that they hate, that he hates Rome, and he says that he's a king. Why in the world would you guys want to kill this guy? Why is he not your hero? Why is he not somebody that y'all are following? I know y'all don't like Rome, you Jewish leaders, but then again they did because they had their business set up, right? They were good with the Roman government because they had uh, the things set up in in the temple to get their money. They had the, the things set up to have guards around. They had it all set up. And here was Jesus coming to disrupt it. Because it was more about them than about serving God. Man, that is, is a hard thought for me. I don't want to do that. 
I don't want to think about myself so much that I miss the fact that people, people are struggling in this world. We have the chance, every single one of us, have the chance to change it and show people the king. John 18, 37, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. He says, For this cause I was born, and for this cause I've come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus came to this earth to die for us. He came to this earth to die for us and now He sits at the right hand. You're talking about some big stuff. He sits at the right hand. 1 Peter 3.22 says, Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to Him. This real big God, this real big king, this real big individual loves us. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Life is hard. Life is terrible sometimes. I mean, the Pearsons, bless their heart, pray for them, encourage them. In every way that we can. What a tough situation to have to deal with. But as children of God, we must never forget what Colossians 3.1 says. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. This is a challenge more than anything. I'm a challenger. I always want to challenge somebody to be better, to strive to be better. That's what I want to do. Pilate said he found no fault in this man. (laughs) Because there wasn't any fault in him. He was perfect in every way. He did the most perfect thing He lived on this earth. He never messed up. He never lied. He never uh, gave in to temptation. He never did anything. And guess what? He did it for us. He did it for people. Think about people in your life. Think about people that you can talk to and maybe just hint at some spiritual stuff. God is working all the time. If we open our eyes, we'll see it. Hey, it took a while for me to see something that special. And yeah, it's not a huge deal. I still haven't talked to him. Will this guy uh, obey the gospel? I have no idea. I have no idea if I'll ever even talk to him again. I have no idea if I'll ever talk to the guy's uh, girlfriend and her friend again. But here's what I know. I prayed for something, and guess what? It got answered. Straight up. 
I prayed specifically for something and guess what happened? It happened. I may have an opportunity that I never thought I would get. When he walked out of my life, I didn't know if I'd ever see him again. Straight up. I knew once he left where I was at, I knew once he left from under me, I was the only one holding him from being terrible and doing terrible things. And just like I thought, what happened? But guess what? He has a soul. I seen on the news he had gotten in trouble and gotten arrested. And the news people were talking terrible about him. Said he did the most terrible thing they'd ever seen. And you know what he did? It's terrible, it's ridiculous. Makes me upset because he knows better than what he did. But here he is in the cell by himself. I don't know what he's feeling like. I don't know if he thinks he doesn't have any hope. I don't know. But I will tell you this. If he went like I asked him to and he went and told him that he had talked to me, that gave him something. Because he knows I love him. He knows it. Over and over, I showed it to him. Even if I don't ever get to see him, he knows it. You don't know who you're going to affect by who you're around. So every day, in every way, will it be your aim, will it be your goal to save someone's life? It's a vapor. They're here, they're gone. You're here, you're gone. What is our aim in life? Is it to make the most money? Is it to be the best husband? Is it to be the best dad? Or is it to be the best child of God? Because guess what? If you're the best child of God, you're all of those. You're every single one of those. Because God wants you to be the best dad. God wants you to be the best husband. God wants you to be the best child to your parents. 
God wants you to be the best that you can be in all facets of your life. Jesus said, I came to give you and let you have an abundant and full life. Not only here, but in heaven also. I came to give you a full and abundant life. Do you want it? Listen to what I say. I want to close with this. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Sorry for getting emotional, but you know what, brethren? It's just what it is. It's who I am. I can't help it. I can't help it. I can't help it. When Joseph saw his brothers, he turned and he wept and he didn't want them to see him. Why? Because he had compassion in his heart. Jesus is compassionate. I'm telling y'all, before I obeyed the gospel, it was hard for me to cry. It was hard for me to get emotional. Now I can't even hardly do anything without getting emotional. Second Timothy 6, in the context, in verse 10, he's talking about the love of money. He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And then in verse 11 he says, but you, O man of God, flee these things. And then he says, pursue righteousness. Brethren, are we pursuing righteousness? Are we pursuing godliness? Are we pursuing faith? Are we pursuing love? Are we pursuing patience, gentleness? In verse 12 he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He says, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment. That you pursue righteousness. That you pursue godliness. That you pursue faith and love and patience and gentleness. He says that you keep this commandment without spot. What an encouragement for the weak. Hey, try to go without spot keeping those commandments. And watch what happens in your life. He says without spot, blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ appearing. Which he will manifest in his own time. Jesus Christ is coming back one day. And he's coming back for his kids. And brethren, you want to know what will make me so happy is to see him in the sky. Huh? Are we watching for that? Are we waiting for that? Are we thinking about that? And I want to also be able to say, you know what? Just like Paul, I'm sharing in, in others' salvation. I was a part of somebody else saying, you know what, what do I need to do to be saved? What do I need to do to be forgiven? It's not only me that can do that. Every single one of us can do it. 
I've heard stories about people talking to somebody and they say this and they say that. That's awesome. If I can help you in any way, I'll help you. That's what it's about. But we have to realize who's the king and who we serve. He's the blessed and only potentate. And I probably didn't say it right, but that's all right. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. Leave with this prayer, brethren. Leave with this on your minds. Leave with this comment as you pray this week. When you're about to say amen after you've prayed, say this, to whom be honor and everlasting power. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who we serve. That's who we get to be with forever one day. He didn't pervert a nation. He changed a nation. He made a called out people out of the Jews. He made what we're a part of now, the church. What a blessing that is. And I'm so thankful to be a part of it, aren't you? Aren't you glad that you may have the ability to add, help add somebody to that church? The one church, Christ's church, His body. I love y'all. I thank you for putting up with my tears. I hope that it's encouraged you. I hope that it's challenged you to realize that I'm not the only one that uh, has anything going on in their life. I've already uh, heard other things going on. Brian Cox telling me about a guy he's talking to right now. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Tell me about it. Fuel me. Hey, give me some more energy. Because you know what? I want to change this world. Not because I want somebody to say, Matt Miller, you are such an awesome preacher, man. Because I know I ain't. But I don't care because guess what? I want to get in somebody's life and I want to give them the gospel because guess what? Jesus is, all, is the only thing it's about. That's it. Jesus Christ. Him crucified. He says, I preach Jesus Christ and I preach Him crucified. That's what Paul said. And that's what I want to say too. And we all can say it. I love y'all. If you need to obey the gospel, Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Right now you can be saved. If you need to repent, if you need to get something right before you go out into this world that'll, that'll beat you down, that don't care about you, that hate you, you can get prayers you can get loved on. You can get hugged on. Hey, brethren, uh, I appreciate y'all so much. I really, really do. And pray for me. Pray for my family. And pick five people in the congregation and you pray for them every day this week. Five people. And watch what happens. Whatever it is you need to do, come right now. Together we stand and sing.